Off Top, Lift Every Voice and Sing was originally a poem written in 1900 to commemorate Abraham Lincoln's birthday. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. Welcome to the Dominique Foxworth Show. I got a hmm. I like a hmm. Didn't know that one. Yeah, it's Black National Anthem now, but yeah, it got repurposed and turned into a song. And you about to hear somebody sing it before the Super Bowl. I don't know yeah. who's singing it this year. Oh, Audra Day, I think. Hmm. Lift every voice and sing goes harder than the Star Spangled Banner. It goes really hard. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It's like a objectively more fun song and better song to sing and listen to. It's a setup. Who's singing a national anthem? No idea. Oh, uh, well. We'll figure it out closer, yeah. closer to the game. Um, they got a hard act to follow after Lift Every Voice and Sing. I went through a big phase of reading Abraham Lincoln assassination books. What a nerdy phase. I went to a phase of reading Abraham Lincoln well, assassination books. I took a I took a class in college. I went through was, a phase of liking like construction trucks when I was little. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was I was twenty three when I did this. But <laughs> um but no, because I took a Civil War literature class in mm-hmm. college and I was like, this is somewhat interesting reading right. period pieces. And I was like, but then I was like, wait a second. What let's let's read some some Lincoln bios and then then they get addictive because they're not actually all they're not all the same. There's like a lot of speculation oh, really? about his like his life and stuff that goes into it. Yeah, interesting. Wasn't topic. he a vampire in a movie something recently? Probably. Yeah, it's got too far. How far away of an American hero's death can you do you have to be before you can turn him into a vampire? That's ridiculous. Like I feel like that's completely absurd oh football let's talk about it i just got a, a notification reba mcintyre is running singing the anthem but guess who's singing america the beautiful oh i know who this is it's um the white rapper Post Malone. yeah yeah, yeah white yeah, iverson yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i can't wait i love it it's gonna be great i love it super bowl hopefully the rock comes out and walks on the field and does you remember that when he started oh, the yeah. super bowl that was so like, no disrespect to The Rock. He's great. He can do everything. It seems so unnecessary and also didn't hype. The players were on the field, Charlie. Uh, George Kittle would get hyped up if The Rock did that. Guaranteed. <laughs> but, uh, we didn't give it as much time yeah. as it deserved at the moment. The players were on the field preparing to do a kickoff that was likely not going to be returned because no kickoffs are returned. But the game is about to start, and The Rock is walking around in and out of the line. He's like, just rocking. <laughs> Just try to get people hyped up for games that, of course, they're hyped up for. It just would be weird for me to be on kickoff team or kickoff return. It's like, you can get this field. We can play. If I'm, pre- I'm putting a prediction out now. Might not be next year. Might not be the year after. But at some point when Travis Kelsey, who's the heir to The Rock, when he retires and he becomes, takes all of The Rock's roles in movies, he will do that at a Super Bowl. <laughs> he will come out and do that. I can't wait for it. All right. Well, we have plenty of time to talk Super Bowl, so we'll mm-hmm. get to that later. But we got some actually interesting offseason news. Like We got the Jets happening. We got our hometown team Getting a coach, I don't know the proper verb, like landing, um, accepting is probably the right word, Re- receiving Dan Quinn as their head coach because it certainly does not seem in the like most celebrated coaching free agent class in football history. They end up with uh, Dan Quinn, who is not the top of anybody's list. This is. I'm glad we had a, a little bit of fun off the top of the podcast uh. because I am sad. <laughs> the the thing that I feel about this Dan Quinn hire is what does it say about the organization that they ended up with their last resort coach? They had Ben Johnson turn them down while the plane was in the air because he wanted to stay in Detroit and win a Super Bowl. 
They didn't get Slowick or the Texans quarterback coach, who presumably would have come with him and been the offensive coordinator. They couldn't have gotten Vrabel. I guess Vrabel doesn't want to go there. I thought this was supposed to be an appealing job. This is like you're going to have Drake Mayer, Jaden Daniels, who's going to be on a cost control contract. You're going to have new ownership that's patient, potentially a new stadium, potentially a new team name. Things were looking up, and then we were just the same old commanders. We hired Ron Rivera again. I hope not. Uh, they went and got, if you remember, before they hired anybody, they went and got, was it Bob Myers? Mm-hmm. from And Spielman. Yeah, and um, Rick Spielman. And they put together a team to find the heir apparent to this organization. And I think, having not been on the inside, what I imagine went wrong, and this is something that I don't think we talk about much, is you have to understand that the head coach and the general manager – need to be fully aligned. And I think coaches really recognize that now more than ever. And if a coach has power, the thing that you can't do is hire the GM. I think you hire the, I guess, the the tone setter, the the organization changer. You hire that person first, Mm -hmm. and you hope that they already know who they want. And you trust them to hire the GM that they want to go along with them or the head coach that they want to go along with them. But it didn't feel like that's exactly what happened, because if that were the case, they probably would have ended up with Bobby Slowick or somebody like that. Who's that's. Yeah, go ahead. That's the one. I mean, you you hire Adam Peters, Adam, Adam Peters from San Francisco. And if you don't get Ben Johnson, you assume you get Bobby Slowick, who is from that Shanahan San Francisco coaching tree. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I guess Bob, Bobby Slowick is very young. It's it's either a home run hire or it's a it's an implosion. Yeah, the um, Shanahan uh, Slowick relationship goes back really far because I was there when Mike Shanahan and Bob Slowick Senior, I guess, was my defensive coordinator and DB coach back in San Francisco. Yes, this is a nepotism business, which doesn't mean that they're not very good. But in the we don't have to spend a ton of time on this in the second day of Black History Month, but we got a couple black coaches hired. Uh, right off the bat, they got us out the way quick. <laughs> then Raheem came in and stole Bill Belichick's job in Atlanta. That was fantastic. And I know this may not make it to a lot of other podcasts, but I feel obligated to shout out my man yep. from this area. He went to DeMatha. My main man, Denard Dayday Wilson, is the coordinator of Tennessee. So we're officially a Tennessee Titans podcast until Denard gets his <laughs> kicked and we're going to act like we never knew him. That's right. But they win the Super Bowl. We were in there on the ground floor, baby. Go ahead, Denard and Callahan. We'll be putting mayonnaise in our coffee and eating banana peels. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Will Levis. So do you, here's a question. Do you think that the commander should keep Eric Bieniemy now? Because they need someone who's a steward for the young quarterback they're, they're yeah, bringing in. That, and, yeah, that might have been part of the equation. Uh, I think that what Eric Bieniemy and Sam Howell did last year was it was okay. It was good. I think it was higher than we had expected for Sam Howell. Uh, well, not higher than I expected. I thought Sam Howell was going to be good, if you remember my, some of my yeah. preseason predictions. And he was good when he was good, but he also could be incredibly bad. He he just didn't have, like, a high floor. He could dip down at the yeah. bottom. And that was an issue that's not worth fighting through when you have a very high draft pick like they have now. But, yeah, Bienemy seems like uh, he should be a good steward. The reason why he still hasn't gotten a head coaching job is still beyond me, but he should be, if they can keep him, I think he's a good person to take over the offense because Dan Quinn is a defensive-minded guy. Yeah, I mean, unless it seems like unless he's going to go back to Kansas City because Matt Nagy hasn't been that great, I, yeah. I assume he would stay. Yeah. Or maybe Quinn will bring in his own guy, but like the thing that's so frustrating about Dan Quinn is like the reason it's like Rivera. Rivera had the great 
high when he had prime Cam Newton, and it's like, you can't really mess this up. This dude's a force of nature. And then with Dan Quinn in Atlanta, the thing that was so good about him was when he had Kyle Shanahan and prime Matt Ryan and prime Julio Jones and Roddy White, and the team was expected to be good because they had so much offensive talent, and Shanahan was overqualified to be an offensive coordinator at that point. The only reason he had stayed an offensive coordinator was because of everything that had gone wrong with RG3. And how that ended so ignominiously. Like, if you look at that 2016 coaching staff, it was Dan Quinn, Raheem Morris, Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, and Mike McDaniel. So it's like, it's really hard to parse out the success and give it to Dan Quinn. And obviously, he's been a pretty good defensive coordinator in Dallas, but. They're, they also have been incredibly talented in Dallas, and it's mm-hmm. hard to be excited. And I, as our resident Washington Commanders fan, I can't imagine that the last showing from the defensive coordinator turned head coach that you have now was uh, the Green Bay Packers essentially doing whatever they wanted from the beginning of that game to yep. the end of that game on the defense of Dan Quinn. But I do think that this is not an instant turnaround. This is a blank slate. So they're not in the hole the way that you could say that some teams are. I guess like the Chargers come to mind. Even though the Chargers have a quarterback, they kind of have to dig themselves out of a contract hole or salary cap hole. Uh, You guys, the commanders just are just kind of, yeah, blank slate. Blank slate. With with the potential of a game-changing quarterback. And more cap space than anyone in the league. And the thing is, when it's when it's a Blake slate, that's I think when you have to you can raise your risk profile and try and take a coach that can grow into the job. If you're really going going to do a process style build in the NFL, it's like the cap on Dan Quinn seems much lower than the cap on some offensive guy that could presumably turn into a Mike McDaniel type guy. Yeah, I haven't heard the press conference, but I, I'm interested to hear what the sell is on Dan. The sell is to the fan base for Dan Quinn because. He's not somebody that they should be angry that shows up, but there's no real reason to be excited about yeah. it, which doesn't mean it's a good job. I mean, it doesn't mean that he's going to do a bad job, but you brought up the staff that he was with before and the talent that was on the team and the staff when he was uh, at the Super Bowl, almost won the Super Bowl. It's impossible for us at this distance, time-wise and not being inside the program, to be able to divvy up credit. Yeah. But since then, yeah, the success of the rest of the people that were there – does not make it feel a ton like Dan Quinn was the architect of all of that, which, and I think this is an important point to make too. None of that may matter. As I bring up all the time, being a head coach is not being a coordinator. So we could point out that maybe he was not a great coordinator, but he was a good enough coach to get this close to the Super Bowl and almost win it. See, I would still look at the other way. I thought he was a better defensive coordinator when he was in Seattle and Dallas than he was a head coach. No, I agree. <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly. But I'm saying coming off of what he's done in uh, in and the Seattle thing, calling him a good defensive coordinator. Again, yeah. Yeah, so like calling him a def- good defensive coordinator in S- Seattle is hard for me, not only because the talent that he had there, but because the Seattle style was – very we do we do like I guess he was good at coaching fundamentals and coaching how to adjust to certain route route concepts but first down second down third down you're gonna be a cover three yeah first and short second and long third and short cover three like he wasn't out there scheming up some new blitz packages they had ends that could get after it and corners that could read and react yeah that were huge and made the the windows and the zones really small and could read and react quickly but weren't like lockdown man-to-man corners and they weren't like scheming up 
uh, simulated pressures and coming from the other side. They lined their ass up in cover three and played it. And Cam would Cam Chancellor would knock people's heads off. That was yeah. essentially it. And Earl Thomas would cover uh, more of the field than anyone. And uh, and uh, yeah. Richard Sherman would make some plays. And that that was it. Never felt to me like he was the innovative uh, scheme guy. Yeah, I mean Earl Thomas playing cover three on and off the field. Um, <laughs> well played. Yeah, so do you think they offered the job to Bill Belichick, or do you think they even thought about it? I don't think they interviewed, but do you think at that point, if you're going to go there, why not just call up Bill and be like, hey, yeah. hey, Bill? Yeah, it might have been too late at this point to go if they didn't knock on his door to start with, but I don't understand why everyone doesn't at least like call him and say, we'd like to interview you. Right. I mean, if nothing else, you could learn something and understand the way that he approaches things. But, I, well, I guess Bill Belichick probably not doing a whole bunch of interviews. I know they, they build them as interviews in Atlanta, but you know what you get with Bill Belichick. I yeah. assume that you just offer him the job. When they were doing those interviews, it was probably more of them interviewing each other to see if it was a good fit, not yeah. to like find out if Bill Belichick knows how to be a head football coach. So I'm looking now, and it looks like Rossini is reporting that, and she obviously has Washington ties, Washington sources, that he was considered, and then they went with Dan Quinn in the end. That is crazy to me. I mean, it's. I think it goes back to the first point that I was making. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They they hired a GM, and if you hire a GM, if the GM does not already have a coach in mind, it kind of has to be a package deal. It it doesn't mean that it won't work out the other way, but it, especially if you want a high profile GM or a high profile coach, no one's just going to accept the situation as it is. Yeah. They want to succeed, and they have the power and leverage to build the the organization because that's the I, I don't know. I don't want to rank relationships, but that is one of the most important relationships yeah. is the head coach needing to understand what his roster needs, the type of players that he wants, and having a GM who understands how to get that done and to time up their runs at championships. And if I'm trying to have a long, fruitful career, that's my first job. That's the most important thing. Yeah. If I'm just trying to get a cash grab, we go and see what happens, then I don't give a who the GM is. Right. Um, I mean, it seems like presumably we got a hot GM candidate here too, which is like Peter's like, they think he'll do a good job, but now it becomes slightly more complicated as you fit things in with a less exciting head coach. Um, can I feel better? Can we talk about the Jets dysfunction? Oh yeah. It's always nice to, when you are, when you feel like you're at the bottom of the barrel, you can peek down and know you're standing on someone and you guys are standing on the New York football Jets. So this is Rossini Day on the podcast. It's Shout a bummer we had. We, we, we should have had Diana on the show for this. Um, but she wrote a piece for The Athletic or co wrote a piece for The Athletic with uh, Zach Rosenblatt about. Shout the- out Zach Rosenblatt. I'm sure he did some good work. He's not getting as much love as Diana. I should call Diana, get Zach's number. Yeah. We should have Rosenblatt on this joint. Sure. He sounds fun. Yeah. All right, we'll have Rosenblatt on. Uh, you think uh, he'll be at the Super Bowl? I, I don't know. Maybe. I. I- I challenge Zach Rosenblatt to some pickleball at the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. We're going to put out – we're going to – fans of this podcast, we're going to pump out a lot of content of pros versus Joes, me, me versus Dominique, and a lot of random activities around <laughs> Vegas. Um, and now we're saying it into the ether, so we say, actually oh, have to do damn it. Damn it. Now I actually have to do this shit. Yeah, we were just talking right. about it. All right. Anyway, back to the sadness that is the New York Jets. Okay. So there's a lot in this piece. Mm-hmm. We found out that um, someone called Joe Douglas – the assistant general manager to Aaron Rodgers. Not just someone. It was a AFC general manager. Yes. So other GMs understand that Joe Douglas is the assistant GM. Yes. To and Aaron Rodgers. And that's because Aaron Rodgers brought in 
paid $44 million for Alan Lazard, brought in Tim Boyle, brought in the corpse of Randall Cobb, tried to bring in David Bakhtiari, who actually probably would help quite a bit, um, amongst other things. Uh, Mercedes Lewis was on his wish list. Odell Beckham was on his wish list. Um, you know, people who are not young, not investments that a lot of teams want to make. We found out that Robert Sala was sort of paranoid, that Nate Hackett was um, uh, not that competent this yeah. year. And I team. mean, him not being competent is one thing. Not his fault. No, 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 not even that. I'm not, I'm certainly not caping up for Hackett. Yeah. That man who made me look silly when I said he was an up and coming general manager, I mean, up and coming offensive coordinator. Um, but him being incompetent is not news. The more newsy part is that players on the team mm-hmm. believed him to be incompetent. And Almost coaches, immediately. Yes. And coaches on the staff who he, who worked for him believed him to be un- incompetent. A couple of notes from it was, yeah, like you mentioned, they the players said they had never watched as little film as they had uh, during that training camp. They didn't make adjustments to issues that they were having. Some of the coaches complained about how they would not have meetings with Hackett until – damn near the day before the game and they're still like adjusting the game plan some coaches asked for more support for their players I think it was Micah Parsons was coming into town asked for a better protection scheme for that Nathaniel Hackett ignored that and Micah Parsons went the hell off um it it was a bit of a mess and yeah. another thing that jumped out to me in that story that I think the <sighs> I guess the the thing that runs through all of this to me at least is Aaron Rodgers obviously. Yes. Agent and, of chaos. Yeah, and he is an agent of chaos, but I don't know what what the proper analogy is, but he's like a cool agent of chaos because it appears that he's like an agent of like calm also. And maybe it's just like he's the only key that can open this lock and because everyone there seems to still believe that if Aaron all the way down to like uh, Garrett Wilson. If Aaron Rodgers is healthy and okay, everything would have been all right. And everything- I thought the, the Garrett Wilson quotes were wild, though. Basically, it can't be like this again. Yes, yes. It, he, yeah. He's been in the NFL for two years. And he was saying, like, it looks so much, <laughs> the longing that he had in his quotes about, it looks so much easier when they do it, talking about other offenses yeah. in football. But the Aaron Rodgers thing is interesting to me because much of the story talks about how much faith they have in Aaron and how much responsibility they've given to Aaron and how much faith uh, the players have in Mm -hmm. Aaron, but also how much he messed things up. And one of the things that jumped out aside from him being the assistant GM was he would go to California Mm -hmm. to rehab there or whatever and then parachute in on game days and be on the headsets actually like – as involved in play calling as uh, Nathaniel Hackett was. And it just feels like you handed over the keys to your organization to someone who believes that they are capable of doing all these things, but is actually not. Yeah. I mean, so I get why they think it could have been better. It could have been easier with Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, he's way better than Zach Wilson and Tim Boyle um, and Trevor Simeon. But... And this is a, a huge but. And also, they're probably looking at the AFC playoff picture being like, well, the Chiefs offense wasn't that great this year, and they were led by a good defense. Like, right. that, this was much more wide open than we thought if yeah. the Ravens were able to be taken down. Sure. Who knows how good we could have been in the postseason. But the big but to this is, like, we're talking about a quarterback who actually, like, and you can say what you want. We can say what we want about how the playoffs are a small sample, but he actually hasn't been that relevant of a playoff quarterback in, like, a decade. And he's had these excellent regular season runs but he's now going to be 40 years old coming off an Achilles. And when I read a piece like this, this is interesting how you think it's like, it might be solved with Aaron Rodgers. When there's a hit piece like this, 
I think it's over for all of them there. Oh, yeah. No, no. I'm yeah. sorry if you got the misunderstanding. What I was saying was they believe yeah. that it could be solved by Aaron Rodgers. And also, it felt better when Aaron Rodgers was there to all of us. Like, at the beginning of this season, we thought it was a possibility. It wasn't a foregone yeah, conclusion, but we thought they would be there at the end. I agree with you. I had this conversation with Greeny on Get Up a couple of days ago. I said they're not making the playoffs. I think it's over for this group. And Robert Sala, the, thing in, the stuff in there about Robert Sala, like, he was painted – in a light that was so ugly and paranoid and forcing people to wear good vibes t-shirts because <laughs> that was the only way to try to change the positive and like doing his own doing his own research in order to defend himself <laughs> by saying all the other coaches who less lost their quarterbacks stink too. It just was a bad, bad look. And the fact that some of these voices are coming from inside is really, really bad. And I think it, We've had conversations about the way that Jerry Jones runs his team, but Woody Johnson is culpable also. Yeah, because this totally. is a quick fix style where he's like, "Oh, we get Brett Favre, everything will be okay. Oh, we get Aaron Rodgers, everything will be okay," and it's not. And apparently, he goes on Twitter regularly and brings his the opinions that he have he's learned from reading tweets at him. He brings them to Robert Sala, so it's the, the we know we know people like that. Absolutely, <laughs> but the. The interesting, or not interesting thing, but the challenging thing about digesting this story for me, at least, is there are no heroes. Like, I don't feel sorry for anyone. I don't, like, feel like... Yeah, go ahead. Do you think any of them survive after this year? Roger, Sala, Hackett? Oh. No, I mean, they don't get murdered, if you mean literally survive. (laughs) But I, I think they all live through the season, but I don't think any of them are back with the Jets. There's no reason to keep... It's a psyop. Yeah, there's no, there's no reason to keep Aaron Rodgers if they don't have success. And then, of course, there's no reason to keep Hackett. And you got to blank slate, slate it with Robert Sala and get a brand new coach to lead this whole organization. How, how do you unempower someone? Like, because they obviously gave too much power to Rod. You can't reset it. You can't reset it. Do you, or if you fired Sala. You couldn't reset it and have someone who comes in and is like, Aaron Rodgers, you're the 40-year-old quarterback. You need to prove to us that you can still be a good quarterback in this league. Um, there's no market for you after this. Right. No one's going to, like, there's not going to be people lining up the way they were before for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. So that is a level of leadership that I'm not sure Woody Johnson or Joe Douglas has and I'm not exactly sure how to go about it because the only way to actually do that is you need Aaron Rodgers on board. You need to convince Aaron Rodgers that that's what's best for him. Yes, or you no, don't worry about it. No, yeah, I, I see what you're. No, I understand that <laughs> yeah. that's a way to go about it, but that backfires because the Aaron Rodgers that we've come to know is not one who, if you come in and say, "Look, all that stuff that we gave you before, we're taking it back. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to get treated like the rest of the players." You foresee that working well with this Aaron Rodgers? No, but I almost wonder if it's just what's best for the team as a cultural reset. Oh. Because, like, and the thing is, what I think is you need a coach who's, like, willing to be the publicly. Like, we, like, Sean Payton got excoriated for how he treated Russell Wilson, how he treated the franchise. But I think we're going to look back and be like, he made the hard choice and he made himself the villain to to live with it. Yeah. I mean, I think that Sean Payton, I'm not going to try to celebrate Sean Payton being an could have done the things that he did of course without without doing it in a way but i get your point i think you're probably right for the long-term future of this organization someone is going to have to wrest power back into uh the traditional places and i don't mind distributing the power to people that can handle it and people that could be responsible with it i think that's when you're in the best place as a team and this is my experience at the ravens was 
We were in a good place as an organization because the players kind of ran the show there. Yeah. And they were responsible players who understood what they were good at and understood how they could help and understood when it was time for them to step up and say, oh, you know what, coach? No, we're not practicing in pads again because it's going to be worse for us. Or, you know what, coach? This scheme is not going to be effective. But also recognize that sometimes when they disagreed with the coach, they had to shut up and they felt it was the right time to go back and say, no, nah, this is what we're doing, and pretend like they completely believed in it. Like, that's a – place that's the perfect place to be in it's a hard place to get to right but i think the question that you're asking to make it as to its simplest form it's not is that what the organization needs it's the choice you're making is do you want to give up on this season or not yeah right so like they can't change whether aaron Rodgers is in their building or on the quarter is the quarterback of their team or not like i guess they could cut him but fundamentally, right now, their best chance of success is with Aaron Rodgers being all in and happy. So can you get him to all in and happy by this kind of threatening approach or can you convince him in some way? Otherwise, you signed up for this. Uh, you, you signed a two-year contract to be on board with this foolishness and that's what you signed up for. You can't all of a sudden just flip it over. Like this is the contract you signed up for. Do we know it wouldn't work if there was a hard coach that told him, like, put him in line? Because like, I feel like every coach has been kowtowing to Aaron Rodgers for a decade. Um, I think that it might have worked at some point. I think it's too late here and with the Jets. So maybe you could be right. I could be wrong. Uh, we can put some sort of – we don't have to put exact probabilities on it. But you think that what is a higher probability of success continuing on this season, this upcoming season – continuing with what they have and the structure that they have where Aaron Rodgers has more power than anyone else and everyone treats him like God or being a jerk to Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Okay. So that means I'm right. That's what people say when, uh, when I they, don't know. I'm just like, I don't psych no, not, I, I can't so, psycho psychologically analyze. Sometimes people like the bully well, needs the, to get punched in the mouth. Agreed. But that's the point. I mean, that's what we're here for. I'm not asking you to psychologically to accurately psychologically analyze them. I'm asking you what you would do in that position. What would you do? I would quit. I would just be like, this is this is so. <laughs> this team is so. <laughs> what if what if you could what if you could not afford to quit? Mortgage was coming in, and you had a bunch of kids that had to go to school. You can't quit the job. You want to have success. How do you think that you have the best chance of keeping your job if you are uh, in charge of all football operations? You're you're Woody Johnson's number two. I would try and take away some of Aaron Rodgers' power. Right. We have not seen it work with him having a lot more and more power in like a really long time. And like it, the thing is, it's the last shot for him too. Right. So like there has to be, he has to have some, I'm, I'm going to play ball here. Right. Otherwise, it's just not like, people say that the, the hay's in the barn, the legacy's done, his, like it's not. No, with I him. agree. I yeah. agree with you. And I agree that that incentive exists. But when we talk about economics, we use the word rational. Yeah. Because we're because if you have a group, a population of 10,000 people, then they will operate rationally. When you have a population of one person who has not shown that he operates rationally, you believe that you can walk into there and be like, look, Aaron, quit all the that hired Bill Belichick. Buckle up, Aaron. This is going to be a new sheriff in town. Things are different. Aaron Rodgers is not going to cooperate in the way that you think he is. They got to hire Mike Singletary. <laughs> yeah, they really want to lose. I mean, it'll just, you know, show them what a pair looks like. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, the great thing, story. The thing that uh, I have one final question for you on Aaron Rodgers. And we should bleep this name in post. Is he more likely 
to make it to another conference championship or be hosting a podcast with <laughs> Why'd you say the name if they have to bleep it? Because it'll be a funny long bleep. Uh, well, you could have just said bleep yourself. Oh, then I wouldn't know who you're talking about. Yeah. All right. Um, was the question to go where or, or conference championship? Conference you know his home, oh, yeah, losing yeah, yeah, the conference yeah, yeah, championship. Yeah. No, no, that's easy. He's gonna be sitting next to Brett Favre hosting a podcast with beep. <laughs> I, I gave him a, a hint. That'll, yeah, that'll help him figure it out. Hmm. What do you think? You think that um, Stephen A. would be a guest on that podcast? No, I don't think so. Yeah, he probably would pass on it. But Stephen A. would be a guest on any podcast. I think he would be a guest on here if I asked him. But you know, I don't ask people. I know. I One day, I hate doing it. Anyway, we have the live show coming up. That's going to be awesome in Vegas. Lots of uh, sports media people have reached out so they can get free tickets. Pay for your tickets like everybody else. We had a we got a text from a friend being like, "Hey, can I get tickets to the live show?" And Dominique was like, "I'll." I'll I, I got to try and find the link. I was like, yeah, I'll just send no, it. I'll put you on no, the No, 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 no. We will not tell who the friend was, but the friend was doing some coy He was like, hey, is your show sold out? Hey, and I was like, I don't know. I'll give you the link. Check it out. But if you wanted some free tickets, say, hey, can I get the hookup? And I would have said, yeah, because I got a text from somebody today. Hey, can I get the hookup? I was like, I'll tell Charlie, put you on the list, my dog. And that's it. We got to play coy with me. It ain't cute. Anyway, let's still talk to Bomani Jones. He's not the one. Although he will be at the show. He will be? Yeah. Oh, cool. Bo will be at the show, guys. Come mess with him. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage, to the First Real Life Store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. All right, my man Bobani Jones has been kind enough to join us. There's a few things going on in sports right now that I thought it'd be more appropriate to talk to Bobani about. We talked about a little bit of it with the Lamar Jackson reaction on his podcast where you guys already know about it. But if you don't, go ahead and get it the right time. Download, rate, review, and go listen to that also. But I think we came to a good point on why – or at least for me, I, I came to you, I think, with more of a question. Am I being crazy and hypersensitive about the way that people react to Lamar Jackson? Or is there some reaction around Lamar Jackson that seems unfair? And to be clear, it feels unfair to me, at least, in part because Lamar Jackson is not just a black quarterback, but he's a different quarterback in the way that he looks and the way that he plays and the way that he sounds at the podium. All that stuff felt like something that needed to be protected in a way that 
Lamar, I'm sure, doesn't feel like he needs protection, but it's not about protecting him as much as it's like protecting the concept for the next player that's coming. Uh, and that is not a protection that it feels like a bunch of other quarterbacks need at this point. So uh, where did we end on that? What do you think, Bomani? I mean, I think we ended with people really want to be right. And if you felt a certain way about Lamar, they not giving it up. I think people think that you and I really want to be right about Josh Allen. And we not giving it up. And we're like, no, <laughs> yeah. we actually gave up yeah. on a lot of this a long time ago. It's just that we not still fighting the fight. So when he does something ridiculous, we can say he did something ridiculous, but not have to like denigrate him completely. But there's a whole bunch of people out here that can't make themselves just say he did something ridiculous because they want to be right. Right. And I think that that's what has happened in large part with Lamar is that like even Bill Polian is clear. He was so wrong, but he still want to be right. He still want to be right. It's just a lot of people that still want to be right. And so when there's a moment, it's going to happen. And it happens in the biggest moments. It seems that it comes up the most. And I think the part that people aren't talking about nearly enough to me when it comes to him is that he seems to get in his own head. And that is, I actually think, is really interesting and something to explore. But people are just going at it big and lazy. Oh, so he's just not a good enough passer. I mean, damn, what kind of, like, what, what exactly are you looking for out of him? Josh Allen was a great one after a game. He had less than five yards in a tilt, right? So, like, yeah, how much is this? I think the wanting to be for? right thing is important, or is, is probably the right answer to this. But how did they end up on their uh, original opinion, I guess, is the part where I think race plays some factor. But uh, I don't know that it matters going forward, but it matters about, like, that position going forward. If someone else and Lamar, I think has played well enough that some teams will be open to the idea of a quarterback that's like M Lamar going forward and should look for one. Cause I think the floor is raised on your team, but winning a championship changes everything. And the guy who's won a bunch of championships and is probably going to be the person someone's going to have to go to to win the next championship right now is Patrick Mahomes. And <clears throat> I don't know exactly how to talk about his blackness at this point, or even if it's important to talk about, it's always felt important to that position. The position no longer feels like there's a, a block on the door for black quarterbacks any, anymore. Not to say that we've reached post-racial quarterbacking, but it feels odd that there was a point where it felt like, and maybe again, this is just my hypersensitivity. There was a point when it felt like Patrick Mahomes was a black quarterback now it don't no more in the way that we talk about him in the way that we uh, in the way that he's treated uh yeah I don't, I don't have a question as much as i just was no wondering. it's still it's still important i still think it matters i just think it manifests itself in different ways because he's so good that there's just not really much room for you to throw shade right and so the shade comes up and this is what we talked about a couple weeks ago when the Chiefs win a game, but all you talk about is how well Josh Allen played, right? Patrick Mahomes leads a drive <laughs> in 13 seconds that gets him on the board to take it to overtime, and all you talk about is how sad it was that Josh Allen didn't get another chance to get the ball back. No credit for the fact that the dude did that in the 13 seconds. Those are – I. I don't want to sound like one of the kids, but those feel a little bit like microaggressions, yeah. right? Like it's those are the things to me that come up when it comes to Mahomes. But he's been so hater proof in all these ways, and I mean, we didn't treat Russell Wilson with the same black quarterback lens on a number of levels. Also, I don't have the great answer for exactly why. Like, there's a lot of stuff that comes down to it. But I found myself, and you tell me if I'm tripping here. 
I don't know how much you watch that quarterback mm-hmm. thing on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I watched a little bit of it, but I watched enough to realize I had misunderstood what Patrick Mahomes get down was like all that Kermit the Frog stuff or whatever else. Nah, Patrick Mahomes out there. Y'all woke <laughs> up the wrong. And I'm like, oh, you more like your exactly. daddy than I thought. Exactly. My bad. I misunderstood what was going on here. No, nah, man, it still matters with him because me and Mina, people got mad at us about this, but I do think that there's a level at which he is underrated. Yes, there are people like me who say he's the greatest quarterback that they've ever seen. That's cool. But I also still think there are a lot of people that don't, they don't want to get on board with what the level of greatness is. And just thinking he's the best quarterback in the league right now, he can still be underrated if I you think, think being that. the best quarterback in the league for one season or being the best quarterback in football because you do it a certain way is one level that he advanced past very quickly in his career. He is now in a different stage of his career where he's like, I can be what you need me to be. Oh, no Tyreek Hill? Cool. Oh, our offense, we don't have no receivers at all? Cool. Oh, Travis Kelsey getting a little old? All right. Oh, we got a great defense? All right, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to lead them on two scoring drives at the beginning of this game against the best defense in all of the NFL, and then I'm going to let my defense take over, and y'all going to have to prove to me that you can score on this team because I'm not going to give you a chance. I'm not going to do no deep seven-step drops. I'm not going to do all no willy-nilly uh, freaky passes trying to fit it in the tight windows. We're going to just play and fine. We punt nine times. Cool. Punt it nine times. But the thing that we were celebrating, and I don't want to be the, the hater of the Ravens defense. They were great, but we were celebrating their defense in a way that I felt was a, a slight bit dishonest. Because tell me for a second right here, Bomani Jones, or anyone else who is listening, if the Ravens took the lead, you think Patrick Mahomes wasn't going to be able to take it back? Right. Y'all really <laughs> right. thought? Like, I, I, once I showed up at that game, the first two drives, I was like, oh, them boys in trouble. They're in trouble. And then Patrick throttled it back. The defense got better, too. Bruh, they got us. I mean, I had people talk about, well, you haven't seen Patrick do it without a great offensive That's coach. He's had Andy Reid the whole time. And I'm like, yo, I, but I'm like, I hear you, but we didn't feel that way about Andy Reid until Patrick Mahomes. We thought Andy Reid was a very good offensive coordinator, but you, did you think Andy Reid was going to be going to, like, when Patrick Mahomes became the quarterback, did you think that the genius of Andy Reid was going to get them to four you, Super Bowls? Did all you, you think that? do is watch I the games, too. It's like he do the special stuff. And this is the stuff that we were talking about with Brock Purdy. While he's not Patrick Mahomes, obviously, he got the same mentality. He got the same mentality. He hasn't matured to Patrick Mahomes' level, but he's got that mentality that's like, it's it's not a mentality that's like, man, you know what's going to get here? Stand between the lines. I ain't going to make no mistakes. I'm not going to mess this up. You know what? I'm going to let them win it for me. Whether we think that Debo Samuel and Trent Williams and Christian McCaffrey are winning it for Purdy or not, Purdy don't believe that. And Purdy know that he got to make a play. And Patrick Mahomes feels that way also. And watching him mature backwards in a way, because I've seen so many quarterbacks, and the only quarterbacks that are in his uh, his area for comparison are people like Brady. And Brady was, I don't want to make mistakes. If they need me to make a play, I'll try, and I'll probably make it. That's who he was. I'm going to rely on this defense early in his career until he matured into the, the player that he became. Patrick Mahomes did it backwards. He walked in the league MVP status. <laughs> and then, and then, and then he was like, oh, okay. 
I can't do that right now. And then remember, we had that whole narrative for a couple weeks or for half a season where it was like, nah, they're doing two high safeties. Patrick Mahomes can't take the top of the defense anymore. All right, let me go to the lab and figure this out. Let me solve this puzzle. That's what it is. This fool solving all the puzzles. And it's not to take away from the coaches of the defense. Like, yes, you need that also and all the players around him. But what he's doing is it's, it's special. And let's enjoy it. Dude, this, I mean, (laughs) what else does he have to do? Like, let's say they win this one, right? And I guess this also, by the way, speaks to how crazy the Tom Brady resume is, especially considering there's a nine-year chunk in the middle of that where Brady didn't win no Super Bowl, okay? Patrick Mahomes gets this one. He'll have three Super Bowls after six years as a starter. And as impressive as that is, Tom Brady had that. Right. Like that's 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 something crazy to think about is the only reason that people can't just jump, jump whole hog into Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback they've ever seen is because he's not even halfway to Tom Brady in Super Bowls. That's where the Tom Brady thing gets nuts. But if you believe that Tom Brady is the greatest, then you have to acknowledge this part at the same place in the development. Patrick Mahomes has caught him in the team success and is worlds better as an individual player. And you could say that the game is different now, which you'd be right. Like, everybody's numbers are up compared to them. But, again, I watched those games. I watched the ones that Tom Brady was in. Nobody thought Tom Brady was this. Even when they were winning Super Bowls, no one was like, you know what? They go the greatest quarterback we ever seen. The credit was Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick shifted to this this system with Tom Brady and built a great defense around him. No one believed that Tom Brady was the engine to that until later. They thought it's a special piece. This is nice. They can build around a young, cheap quarterback. This works out in a special way. And that's another thing. Patrick doing this without taking discounts. Patrick out here like, you know what? Okay, y'all not going to be able to get me the free agents I want? Fine. It don't matter. You know what you are going to do? And again, as a daddy influence, (laughs) you're going to give him that money that he deserves. So he, yep, you're you're damn right. Baseball players ain't taking no discounts. Salary cap for who? For what? No, I do not respect your salary construct. I'm good. Give me everything I deserve. Now, Brady is, Brady's greatness is all paper greatness. And that's not to say he wasn't a good player, but when you're making the case for the greatness of Tom Brady, you're listing accomplishments. When you are making the case for the greatness of Patrick Mahomes, you're pressing play. I take it another step further. You want to see the greatness of Patrick Mahomes? Go watch Matthew Stafford. Because Matthew Stafford, as good as, look, I don't think Matthew Stafford's a Hall of Famer. I have, like, there's, there's but so far I'm willing to go on how good Matthew Stafford has been. However, Matthew Stafford is the great value version of Patrick Mahomes. There's no way around that. And if you think that Matthew Matthew Stafford's a great player, that's cool. That great player is the great value version (laughs) of the greatest. That's perfectly put. The point about the resumes is you're right. For for Tom Brady, you can show the drives – against the Falcons and you can show things later in his career that were really impressive but what really blows your mind about Tom Brady is not the tape even though he has some impressive feats what blows your mind about Tom Brady is what's on paper when you drop all them rings on the table and for Patrick Mahomes what blows your mind is the tape turn on that tape and watch Patrick work and you're like oh yeah that is the best thing I've ever seen and to do it without the mistakes is 
the most incredible part and then to have success because you're right like you could argue and I, people have made this argument about Stafford he was doing the no look passes first and he's has the arm strength and accuracy and angles like he was doing all that first them boys are losing though and I understand it was I understand it was Detroit <laughs> and the situation wasn't better but they wasn't even they was barely even making the playoffs like also Stafford has some <laughs> nerve like you you you're not good enough to be bored <laughs> Like, you need to spice things up a little bit? Why? That is hilarious. Uh, uh, Never mind. I was going to make an analogy that would be good for your show, but not good for mine. Anyway. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's been yeah, awful yeah, you create yeah, yeah. your own analogies in your mind uh that would have been awful but this has been amazing i appreciate you bomani jones i will see you in vegas can't wait yes sir appreciate you y'all know where to find them to get more of this fun conversation the right time bomani jones we all know breakfast is an important part of your day but sometimes when you're traveling for business you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any you know what happens you grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely we've all been there But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Has Dominique been lately? Bad or good? Let's find out. This is Roses and Thorns. Time for your favorite segment with my favorite person, Roses and Thorns, with my wife, Ashley. I like your hoodie. That's cool. Thank you. So fly. So young. Thank you. I'll admit that I ordered this. Is it a black designer? You know? It's Black History Month. Though. Happy Black History Month. Yes, welcome to Black History Month. I realized today, Day two. after I got dressed, that I'm not wearing a single black designer, which is sad. <sighs> well, I, um, I, feel I have like some black hair care products. Well, my, black people might not actually own them, but did you know DeBrat has mousse? <laughs> you have, you have <laughs> DeBrat mousse? So CVS I is didn't in know, DC. I don't really think of black or as DeBrat as like a hair icon apparently yeah. she is she has some braiding products so I could oh, see them yeah, more but there was also like non-braiding related mousse and so CVS is in DC unfortunately all across neighborhoods are getting like ransacked so they're not filling their shelves they probably not as, ransacked. they probably making they're just up. lying yeah they're but they're not so filling bad. their shelves as well and people complain about it all the time and today's the first time I really felt it because I was like are y'all serious? The only mousse in this whole damn CVS is a brat, and I just really wanted some mousse. So, so it's not in so the I back. You can't just care. ask them to go to the back. The shelves looked very empty. Oh, okay. Well, the brat mousse. That's hilarious. Well, it is Black History Month, and you are not celebrating with your clothes. But I believe in my and oh, I was gonna defend you because I okay. feel like Black History Month ain't for Black people. Like I feel like the the point of Black History Month is, I mean, I guess it, to some degree, uh, the reason why I came to this craziest. I say crazy. Go ahead. How's it crazy? No, I, I know what you mean, but it's just funny to hear you. Like I'm, I I'm it's just. I, I think at this point, and uh, it happens a lot through like school emails, where like the responsibility to come in and like do 
additions to the black history curriculum that they already have falls on the black parents, which like I get. I mean, but we're talking about schools like our kids' school, like yeah. like schools like like our kids are in a private school. Oh yeah, I'm talking about me. It's I a, care about yeah, me. like like there are plenty of schools where there are a bunch of black kids or where there are no black kids. Like, and these things aren't happening there. Um, being legislated out of some places. I know, right? Um, you're right. I see what you mean in that, like, it's not for black people, but also it is for us and that, like, it's important that people understand our history, um, including ourselves. History, yeah. yeah. And, like, and I don't know, when I was little, and maybe it's I was in different schools, um, like, I remember my sister was, I was too young when we transferred out of this school, but Lauren was the queen of, like, it was like the it was like a spelling bee, but Black History facts. Because um, <laughs> you guys just watch Eyes and, on the Prize. All oh my god, that. I loved. But also, like she would study for it. Like kids study for a spelling bee, so she could kill it. And so, because of her, even though I was too young, I would learn all the facts. And like facts are one thing, but then as you get older, I think when you're young, it's it's nice to read all the stories. Like I was going through my son's books in his room. He's about to be 11, and making room for more of the books he like actually still reads, and pulled out a lot of the ones that like I've been like slow to let go of, and still have not taken out of our house. They're just in a pile to move out of his. Books bookshelves but the really good like black history picture books there are so many that I think that our kids I'm so grateful that our kids have been exposed to and I think that all kids should be exposed to because like it's one thing knowing facts but it's another thing knowing stories like as you kind of grow but then also really understanding like the why of things Emmy, um, um, Emmy forced me to read her uh, Jackie Joyner Kersey book last night I didn't even know he had that one <laughs> you yeah. buy them all everyone yeah, I see I'm do. like black I'm getting you. Yeah, we, <laughs> I love um, books. And yeah, Declan, that, I, I read him true. some stuff last night when it was bedtime that was about uh, World War II, actually, but it was about black people in World, War II. in World War II. But so, yeah, I, I mean, I'm half joking. I'm all the way joking about Black History Month isn't for black people, but I do often feel like, and maybe it's like I grew up uh, from the time I was a little baby till eighth grade in like all black communities. Ninth grade, I went to like a half and half school, and then you go to Maryland PWC and then you, you said half and half I was thinking like halfway house and I was like oh I don't remember hearing nah, about that nah, before just, okay. it was like, uh, uh, it was like half, uh, racially I mean, balanced everybody school. was broke but it was half black people half white people mm -hmm. and then you go off into the world and college everything else and it's more and more white people and I find like the further I get away from the mostly black community the more black black history month and just black things in general feel like it's a response it's like my responsibility like I have to represent black history month to somebody I have to answer the black history questions when somebody do something weird in sports some black thing happens weird in sports I have to answer for that yes I celebrated black history month about an hour ago by I washed my hair before I came here and I had to wear a scarf to keep it down. And I was about to leave the house and take my scarf off. We live in like a white neighborhood and I have no tents on my windows. Um, and I left my scarf on. I said, you know what? I'm going to show the world because I think some of it really is about black history. Yeah. But then others is like just like it helps uh, people understanding our history and learning about black people can and should help us to feel more comfortable in all the spaces, like including trendsetter. leaving all the, all our the, house with a scarf. All the white <laughs> ladies in our neighborhood gonna be having scarves on next week. Just step it up to a house coat all the time. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. You got it. No, your your pajamas are like kind of cute. So they are. They, I buy the they still pajamas. are clearly pajamas, but Ooh. they just actually my children say to me when or my youngest says to me when she sees me wearing them. Ooh, mommy, you look so nice. The little velour ones, yes. and she tells her, "Where are you going tonight?" And I'm like, "Oh, baby." <laughs> Because they have just a bed, isn't Daddy lucky? They're pajama, not sexy. They have pajama day at school, so she just thinks it's like no. Pajama she day thinks it looks nice. It kind of honestly, they look like old juicy, um, juicy couture like velour sweatsuits. But anyway, um, I'm excited that it's Black History Month. I think I'm also just as excited though 
that it's and this is like some people say like uh black history month shouldn't be the shortest month of the year i'm fine with that um we get an extra day we get we get the 29th this year happy leap year though um but i do feel like i really really love valentine's day um and like i kind of like think it should be celebrated all month um the joy that i get from valentine's day every holiday so pretend like valentine's day is like some special thing anytime Um, to celebrate i'm not a big saint patrick's day fan that said i did get cocktail napkins for a bar in the shape of shamrocks when i was ordering (laughs) when i was ordering valentine's day cocktail napkins um so no i'm not a fan of every holiday i don't I'm not big on You can't say I'm not Day. a fan of St. Patrick's Day. Who else of anyone in the world? What percentage of people in the world you think bought St. Patrick's Day cocktail napkins? You're a fan of St. Patrick's Day. You I'm like not holidays. A fan. You like themes. You're yeah, a big like fan themes. of theming. Okay. So, but I'm not a holiday. fan of St. Patrick's Day. You love St. Patrick's Day. You know what I didn't buy this year? Any football shaped napkins for oh, Super Bowl yeah. weekend because I thought we would be in Vegas. Um, I wanted to be there supporting the Ravens um, for my son's birthday, but ultimately he decided that he didn't want to go if Lamar wasn't going to be there. And that's actually why I have this purple sweat. I have like a few extra purple things because I was uh, I was gearing up for, for our for our trip to Super Bowl, <laughs> and I liked it though, so I didn't return it. Um, but but I'm sad about that, and I don't know why. Like now it's kind of too late now that I know we're home. Actually, I guess it's not. I forgot there's a week off. You know what? I need to order football. Cocktail napkins for, <laughs> for the Usher celebration. Or maybe I'll get just you cocktail napkins. Uh, the really, Usher celebration. A rose, I have a rose of the week. I'm oh, just okay, jumping cool. to it. All right, fine. The rose of the week is for myself. That Ooh, congratulations. I am not going to just show up in Vegas anyway. Because remember, I don't know if y'all remember, but I was so serious on here like months ago when they announced Usher as the I halftime remember. act. Like, I'm sorry, but I need to go. Mm, I need to go. And I realize that's kind of silly because it's like, why would Super you go silly. to a whole Super Bowl and they're expensive and travel all the way out there just to see the halftime act. Like, had the Ravens gone, I would have also been excited to see them, and my son certainly would have. But, like, I can't go just to see Usher when I could, like, actually watch it at home and DVR, and I've seen Usher before, and he's probably going to, like, tour or something eventually, and I could see him there. So my rose is that I made one sensible decision this week, and it was <laughs> to not – and he already is uh, there I with did, the hotel room. I didn't realize that that was on the table. Once Declan decided that he didn't want to just go because of the Super Bowl, there was still a, a chance that you were just going to go and he was going to stay home? Well, see, and that's the thing. I would have been on, like, on his birthday, and I would have felt kind of bad. I did <laughs> play into my decision. I mean, do you have to be there every birthday? I was there the one, no. the most important one. I was there pushing I'm, him into the world. I'm with you. Um, You're the one that loves birthdays. I, I'm surprised. They've had parties every single year. <gasps> every year. All three of them had parties. Have you don't they? need a party every have year. Have they, though? Or yeah. some years, they just have a couple friends spend the night. That's a party. That's a, 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 that's a party. It qualifies as a party. You have a sleepover party. Where they just party. play dates like... At other places, like the arcade. It's all parties. Stop having parties. Um, They're too old. But yeah, so I don't know. I kind of sometimes feel like I wish Black History Month didn't have to compete with Love Month. Oh, so um, would you decorate the like house in, um, in kente cloth if it wasn't for the fact that because no, you, you know, love pink? I do have, you can get some pink kente cloth fabric. Uh-uh. I have. Black love history month. I have. I put up a Valentine's tree one year and got on Etsy these like custom made sweethearts um, out of like plyboard or something. Like the little candies are really cute. And all the quotes for them are very intentionally like recognizable, even though some are kind of like you have to think about songs from black I mean, quotes from black love songs. So like Feenan is one one of them instead of like, like love you or whatever comes on the sweethearts at CBS. So that was my nod to try to bring the two together. Perhaps it does the the I, I will have to admit one thing. And before we you already gave the rose of the day, so we don't have a special way to end it. But this I'll end it with this thing that I appreciate about our kids, especially our daughters. I love 
when you get annoyed at them for doing things that you do. It makes me so happy. It just brings joy. So last night, Emerson, our youngest, <laughs> brings up looks like uh, brings up a bunch of decorations. Valentine's no, from my holiday closet. A bunch of Valentine's decorations. <laughs> that and I starts, wasn't going to put out this year. And starts decorating her room and all this gaudy Valentine's <laughs> stuff. So and I walk by Ashley and Ashley's like fuming. Like she's just making the room look so ugly. How do you think we all feel every other time of year when you decide that you need to decorate the whole house? And it just gave me so much joy to see her in there being annoyed by having the house filled or having one room filled with unnecessary Valentine's decorations. It was beautiful. Back to your point, though, about pink kinter cloth or how I could decorate I for Black joking. History Month. One thing about us is we don't have to. And like, so that's the thing. Like, you're right. We don't need Black History Month in the way because like my kids are going to read the books about black people all year round. And I hope I choose schools for them that will incorporate elements of like black culture into the curriculum throughout the year. And black history is taught. Maybe it's not taught every year, but maybe like when American history is taught it's black history is a really big part. I mean, cause it is a big part of that. Right. Yes. Like, so I hope that, and obviously of course, like we're going to be hailed in to read some books if we want to, um, or there are going to be, you know, more assemblies about black stuff, perhaps in the month of February, which I get, we can side eye, but also like I recognize like at some point, the reason we have black history now is because at some point that wasn't happening. So like, I wouldn't want to go back to a place where that's not happening. Um, but our walls, they're already decorated for black history. Month. Yeah, you got all your black, like literal black history artifacts all over our walls, but also the pictures reflect like some of them, a lot of, there's a whole room of just pictures. Like of, I've went to Framebridge and framed like a lot of our kids art. So like their self portraits and, all the artists in the and whatnot, are black all artists. the artists, except for one, Shout there's out a, Carter G. Woodson. Except for one, there is a the one that is not a black artist is like a um, a three by three photograph of Martin Luther King, um, one of his jail shots, and that's oh, yeah, actually yeah, yeah. a white artist, but it's Martin Luther King picture. So so we let that slide in. We call it um, like the photographer, the police photographer artist. No, well, no, but the artist <laughs> who made the, about, the like, like the collage um, or whatever it the, it's called. The, not Pollock. What's the yeah, trip, anyway. not a triptych, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, anyway. anyway, um, so yes, yeah, so again, to your point, like yes, we don't need it. I don't need to decorate for Black History Month because we're decorated for Black History Month, but we all need it. Yes, we are black. History. I have a question for you. I was going to end on a um like a after school special style. Oh, you know what we can do? One of my favorite black history. When I knew I loved my kids' school is when they taught them a poem. And Eloise Greenfield, who's a local DC poet, um, who passed recently, uh, she was like alive in my childhood. The great she way taught. To end it. But first, I have a question. Your your off tops or whatever you call them this month are they all going to be Black History related? Well, today's was. Are they going to be all month? I don't feel that it's my responsibility Listen, to. But yeah. yeah, I was planning on it, but now it feels like you're making me. No, but here's the thing. I thought Nina about can't, Mina you. can't knock him anymore because people can't oh. knock Black History facts. You might she lose will. some listeners, but sorry, Mina, can't knock him because it's Black stuff. Um, she'll, okay. she'll knock him anyway. What is? Do you know the poem, Harry Tubman? I don't. Oh, my gosh. It's not a poem. It's a rap. You want me to beatbox for you? No. Now, now I just remembered it and I forgot. You want me to look up the first couple words? Harry you need to get Tubman was born a slave. Don't deliver it trepidatiously. What deliver is it? it? I'm oh, so oh. sad. Thank you, Podville, for this wonderful studio. You're the best. Thanks, Charlie, Bomani, Megan, Serafina, Brian, Kevin, Cortez. All right. Harriet Tubman. Lift every voice. <laughs> oh, you want to do that instead? Go ahead. 
and sing tell oh uh, no uh. i can't sing <laughs> in heaven hey. i can do all for three verses though so like y'all are gonna have to cut me off ring with the harmonies Gosh, that is not uh, harmony <laughs> <laughs> this is the dominique foxworth show